Welcome to Scouting for Growth. Today I'm joined by my dear friend Nigel Walsh. Nigel is Managing Director for the Insurance Practice within Google. Nigel is on a mission to make insurance lovable. He spent his days helping couriers unlock the power of Google Cloud and Alphabet, supporting startups, creating communities, building MGAs, the writing papers. Nigel, so much. You are doing so much. So thank you so much to be with me today. And my, first question, <laughs> and my first question is, you know, tell us a little bit more about you because we know each other for quite a while. And I would love for people to know about your parcours because I've been on your podcast, which is very much about news. But, you know, whilst a lot of people know about you, tell us about you because actually the podcast is being listened by more than just in short text today. No, and I don't want to tell people that it's probably been 15 or 20 years that you and I know each other. So we, uh, you and I were around before InsureTech was around, I think, if I'm being really honest. So, um, so as you say, uh, Nigel, um, now the MD for insurance at Google Cloud in North America, uh, which is super exciting. But before that, um, brief background, I spent five years at Deloitte where people knew me for leading global insurtech and global future of insurance and actually being a really active member of the community as insurtech really took over or took off over the last five years. Um, prior to that, I actually spent seven years at Capgemini in London. And that's kind of the thing that got me into digital or insurtech and fintech much more. It was actually a, a CEO, an old friend of mine, he said to me, Nigel, there's got to be a faster, smarter, better way to go after these things. Why is it taking you so long to go and do um, an implementation of a core system or whatever it might be? And that's what led me into um, finding some of these new digital natives or net new organizations that were just trying to break the, break the mold of the status quo of doing things all the same. And I'd seen it myself, you know, Capgemini is working with a number of insurers that were all doing the same thing. We were all fighting for the same resources. They were scarce at the time. We were implementing, you know, core admin system. We we're fighting for the same people. We were building the same integrations. And I thought there really is a smarter or better way to do this. So I guess over the last 15 years, I've truly fallen in love with insurance. I think it's got a, a huge purpose. I, I think it's massively misunderstood. It's massively misloved back to my ambition about making insurance lovable. You just have to go outside of our, I want to say, our own little bubble of friends, whether it's Instech London, InsureTech Global, ITC in Vegas, and go outside that to your, I'm going to say your everyday friends that don't work in insurance and ask them for their perception or impression of insurance. And it's not good. And my, my desire is to turn that into something as joyful and delightful and as exciting as you would with a, an experience of buying something online or engaging in different ways. So that's that's my broad background. I've really, you know, I'm a technology, I wanna say super geek. I love what technology can do, but it can't be technology for technology's sake. So if you take my passion for technology, my desire for making insurance lovable, um, and the scale and ability that we have at Google, I think I found my dream job. So tell us, why you joined the best then? 
I, it's hard to say no to someone when, when you have, and if you, you remember this, I think even yesterday I saw an article saying, what if Gaffer or Fang get into our industry? And I, I've probably written the same. I've written articles um, that talk about the fear of something happening. And when the opportunity arose to actually join and sit on the inside and look out and understand our mission to make the world's information accessible, actually you realize very quickly our enabling role rather than our competing role. So our ability to enable large carriers, small startups and everything in between with what we have, I felt like a stronger opportunity to put the um, a force for good as we go support consumers, corporates and so much more. So when I had the opportunity to join, it felt like a, an opportunity that A, I couldn't turn down. But joking aside, I think it's probably the first company in my entire career that I say to someone, oh, I work at Google. And no one actually turns around to me and said, oh, I've never heard of them. What do they do? Everyone's heard of Google. So we've all been in that situation, especially the insurance. You go, I work for XYZ Insurance. They go, never heard of them. What do they do? So for the first time ever, I can actually say to my mum or my dad, hey, I work at Google. They don't ask any other questions. They just go, oh, that's really good. I've heard of Google. <laughs> that's really cool. You know, you have inspired me as well, right? And um, during the course of the past, I guess, 24 months, you got me to get my Peloton. So thank you. And probably your shares in, uh, in the company. I'm trying to be good, right? I have a few pounds, as you know, to lose the COVID, the COVID pounds. Um, but I would like to ask you, we're looking at your career and the past few months, what have been your ups and downs? That, that's uh well so it's kind of you to say about the peloton everyone knows who sees me online i'm addicted to it and i will say it's been my personal savior or beacon it's been a wonderful community um i think we all had choices in the pandemic about whether we uh, ate more drank more exercised more i was fortunate that i decided to choose the exercise or it chose me um but like everyone it's been a struggle i you've known me for the past two decades almost. Um, I like being out for a drink with you or a meal or a coffee or whatever it might be. And sitting here in this office that so many have seen for, for so many months and, and, and years now, over the last couple of, uh, or the last two years, I've actually found really hard. I like to be in front of people. I like to be in front of a whiteboard. I like to draw things out. I like to get engaged with stuff. Uh, so I found that personally quite hard. Um, but I have, found solstice, if I may, in the community that is in Shortech. So, so many people that know each other and have built these wonderful communities have all come together. There's a lovely uh, community on, on Twitter called FitFam. There's probably about 50 people on that, on that group that post their exercise every day and whether they're feeling good or feeling bad and whether they've had a day off or not a day off or whatever it may be. And I find that a really lovely link back to my desire to always get better. Don't get me wrong. I'm still eating way too much chocolate and all the other things that go with it. So I think there's a pleasure pain theory here between exercise and chocolate for me. Um, but that community always reminds me of insurance. I think the same exists in insurance. You look at what you've created and Ming, and you look at what Matthew and Robin have created with Instep London. Those communities of people are always coming together to strive to move forward. And whether you strive to move forward and fall and get back up again, those communities for me are just really, really great groups of people that encourage each other to actually say, no matter what, we're going forward. 
And I see that with insurance day in, day out. My big frustration remains the speed at which this industry operates. So it's not a dig in the industry. It's just a, a recognition that there is hundreds of years of process, procedure, technical legacy debt, and so much more. But together, back to our, our favorite bikes quote, together we go far. Um, I know it's cheesy. Uh, you can hit me later and, and, and give out to me later about it. Um, but it really does make me feel good about actually the groups of people that are coming together to change, underwriting claims, customer experience, the industry as a whole to go better, to, to be better and be better going forward. Recently, we actually had a great conference just a, a couple of weeks ago, actually. And um, what was interesting is, you know, how we, we came together and we hugged each other, despite, you know, being told, be careful. And um, it was actually super to see the community and see that warmth. And you're, you have, you know, it's true. We, we are together. We're supporting each one another. We want to support one another. We want to support the younger businesses. You want to support the more mature businesses. We want to make the change we can effect in our own way. Yeah, it's funny. I, I was standing to Bradley and the team yesterday at uh, InsureTech Insights, and I congratulate them on a great conference. It was, what, 4,000 people in London um, or thereabouts. People flew in, flew in from all over the world. That community of people, that it, there was never a stronger message that said to me, we are ready and we need to get back out and see people and see what's going on and start sharing what's there. So Julian from WeFox and um, Zurich was there. There was so many good folks, both incumbents and insurtechs and so many others. And actually, I said to Matthew Grant just yesterday, I said, it was lovely to see the pictures of the Instec event in London last night. And whilst I couldn't be there in person, what I was really inspired by was all the new faces I didn't recognise. That to me says we are still piling in and we still believe there's lots more to go change here. So it's not a one and done. It's a continuous improvement of how we go change this market. Absolutely. And it takes me to, to a quote I very much love when I was reading, you know, I always go back to your, your profile on LinkedIn and see the links and all the things. So one quote I, I thought was interesting, which come from your company, from, from Google, is uh, a statement which, which appear on LinkedIn. A problem isn't truly solved until it is solved for all. Googlers build products that help create opportunities for everyone, whether down the street or across the globe. Bring your insight imagination and a healthy disregard for the impossible. Bring everything that makes you unique. Together, we can build for everyone. I think it's a beautiful quote, right? And mm -hmm. so when I look at this and then I clicked on the link, I saw, you know, at the end of the day, it's about career and it's about bringing the right people in Google. How do you, how do you play around that in your everyday work life? Yeah, it's really interesting. Uh, while I onboarded again remotely through here, the training that you go through and the videos and the things that they share with you about how they really are inclusive and help everyone, you know, I won't, I won't deny. I sat here with a tear in my eye for some of them. So where we help people who um, can't use cash machines or could read and that are using voice to help people actually use machinery that would be inaccessible to others if you are unable to read, um, where the videos where I saw people were, um, and again, I, I always try to apply this back to insurance. There was a video I saw that had someone sending images in, and the images were coming in upside down. You think to yourself, well, why are they coming in upside down? 
and James York always talks about this, um, left-handed people versus right-handed people. Well, by default, if you're left-handed, you hold your phone in the other hand and the image that comes through to you is often sent through upside down. So why are a small percentage of those images coming through in that way? And unless you know people and understand the why behind some of these things, you can't then build or design for everyone going forward. So I love that the organization that I work for is so inclusive, be, beyond anything I've ever seen in my, in my life. I mean, we, we genuinely have nine products that have over a billion active daily users. So you have to be able to manage, understand, design for everyone you, when you do that. And when you turn it to an insurance lens, I'm so fortunate that not just in Google Cloud, but around Google Cloud, we have some of the smartest people, I think, on the planet that think about things and stretch your imagination in so many different ways. Uh, one of my favorites is uh, Sarah Russell over at Google X and the Moonshot Factory and what they're doing uh, around wildfire. I talk to my, my colleagues and friends over at Waymo and so many other places, but we genuinely have some of the smartest people that I've come across. And what I, what I always try and do is inject the insurance lens and say, what does that mean for us as an insurers, carriers, brokers, insurtechs, or otherwise, and how can we work together to go solve things that they may not have thought about previously? And what you are saying is so important to you know whether, so first, I think there is an angle around resilience. So creating resiliency for everyone. And when you look at some of the things, you know, we talk often about the protection gap. And so you need to build that financial resilience for people who have bank account, but also for those who do not. And then you are touching upon a key point here, which is people who do not even have access. So we are not always designing for minorities. And you are aiming to do that regardless of, the organization itself, but also in our industry. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the, the requirement of our products that we have globally, whether they're mandated because you're driving a car or they're nice to have because it's an affordability thing around life insurance um, or term, whatever it might be, you still have to educate people. And one of the things that I'm looking at right now is how we use some of our platforms, for example, YouTube. So let me give you a real life example. My son came to me and said, Dad, um, what are we doing around NFTs and how do we go mine NFTs? I said, you know, I have no idea how we even start there. What do we do? So he's 12 and within five minutes, he was on YouTube trying to learn about what he does or whatever else. So, and equally, I see the same, but you know, I can get, we've all been there. We, we don't know how to do something. My first port of call is Google. Actually, my first port of call these days is often YouTube. So how do I go to YouTube to learn how to fix a leaking pipe, change something on the car, do something around the house or get an educational snippet through a short, whatever it might be about what's a premium, what's a deductible, what's a, how does a claim work? So I think the platforms that we've got that surround our core technology and cloud give us the ability to help educate the world in a very, very different way. And my ambition is bringing or stringing all those pieces together to try and not just close the protection gap, but close the education gap so that everyone's got accessibility and an understanding of what we're doing going forward. And so, you know, it's the same, even for my team, anytime we don't know how to do something, even for business, it's YouTube, right? And I said to them, you will find everything on YouTube. So if you don't know how to do it, just first check on YouTube. It's That's a great me. way to learn, right? Exactly. And um, you're right, understanding how people consume content today, I think is becoming more and more important. You're right, I write. 
I love writing, you love writing, but actually what I also realized is we need to be more aware of the different senses. People like visualizing content, YouTube. People like to listen, podcasts. And so being more encompassing around the way we approach and, and support different group of individuals, minorities, is going to be more and more important. I couldn't agree more. I look at, again, I look at my kids and they, they thrive on shorts. You know, how do I get a short clip of information? And then I scroll through it. Maybe it's our attention span has changed dramatically. I used to love reading books and I found over the years, my attention span has dropped dramatically. I really love listening to podcasts. That's the, the other thing I miss about being sat here as opposed to commuting into London or traveling the world is I'd always listen to podcasts on my commute. It would break up. I'd always be learning that way. And I found by sitting here for 12 hours a day or whatever else, I forget to sit and listen and tune into a podcast. And, and Matthew knows, you know, I'll be doing my ironing and I'll listen to a podcast. I'll be mowing the lawn. I'll be listening to a podcast. So I think those mediums that we choose to use and consume information has changed. Um, I've never really gone into uh, Audible or um, audio books, but again, I want to try and get back into those as we go forward. And I think as the world reopens, we have to recognize how people choose to learn is not always the same way it used to be being, you know, previously. So again, what are insurers or insurtechs doing to say, here's a short video about how you go do something. Here's how you go submit a claim. Here's what we can do um, to educate you about the pros and cons of different levels of cover. And I get the whole, how do we balance advice versus guidance, all regulation that goes around it, but we have to be informative at the same time in the medium that matters most. And Robin's great at this, um, whether it's TikTok, and I laughed all the time about Robin being on TikTok, but his energy is absolutely infectious. And I think he's got like a gazillion trillion uh, views now on TikTok about insurance. I would never have thought that'd be true a year or two ago. I agree. I agree. He's doing very well. I think he's probably getting other, you know, last time I talked to him, it was 100,000. I think probably he's at 200,000 uh, followers just on TikTok and he's in the millions of views. And he's inspired me. I asked him, I called him, I said, why are you on bloody TikTok? I said, Sabine, uh -oh. he said, I want to educate young people about financial services. And then, then I got it, right? I really got it. And it definitely inspired me to actually look at the channel in a very different light, which takes me, the world is moving along with new things. We talk about Web 3.0, Metaverse, NFTs, and you already mentioned the, the keyword NFTs, which to me requires to understand experiences, again, in a very different light. How do you see all this stuff affecting us and insurance in the future? It's really interesting. And I think Metaverse, as an example, has come up so often over the last three, six months or so. Um, go, I know when the first term came up or we should go back and look at the search trends and see when it was out there um i know a challenge with mateo and a bunch of others about will this be something that, that goes away as quickly as it arrived like clubhouse for example um but i do think you know second life was here many many years ago and, and then they went away as, as a kid growing up i i grew up playing uh, sims and used to love creating environments and sims and so much more but i think the the desire by large corporates, whether they're big audit firms, I think KPMG went into uh, the metaverse recently and bought land. We've seen big banks buying spaces and, and um, uh, uh, areas inside digital environments like the metaverse. I do think folks are starting to explore what it means. 
And of course, where you are physically transferring um, money into this new world, then you're also automatically, in my mind, creating risk. And that risk should be or could be protected. And the most obvious one in that space, therefore, is what do we do about cyber? So cyber threats are costing the industry billions year over year. And what we've now done is we've opened up a whole new world and then net a whole new level of risk that we should be exploring and understanding what is that risk for carriers and, and customers alike. So does anyone truly understand what the opportunity, what the risk is? I think we're all still figuring it out. Um, but I do think we're now starting to see new opportunity grow. And I always remind people, especially when I'm talking to people coming into the industry, nothing moves in, in, in this world without removing risk. And there's only one organization or one industry in the whole world that is better, that, that does this day in, day out, and that's insurance. So by default, insurance for me is at the very forefront of understanding what that risk might look like and then trying to mitigate it going forward. That was true for space exploration. That was true for um, navigating the seas before anyone else did it. Uh, and so much more, you know, self-driving cars, all these emerging risks. Insurance is at the forefront of every one of those things. And for me, the metaverse is no different. No different. You know, for me, um, and, and I'm doing some work at the moment around immersive technology. So we are looking at augmented reality, virtual reality, and what that means for the world of insurance. And um, it's interesting because looking at this mandate, what I've learned is that uh, whether it's employees or customers, they are looking at new ways to build products and services and uh, also to train and onboard people, partly younger people. So you can see actually a theme which is not yet in the metaverse environment, right? Which is just using you know, your, your VR headset where you can onboard, you can train, you can design your product and services. You can potentially, as you know, already deal with claims. Now, if you put that into an environment using digital twins, then you're actually going into maybe a little bit more of a metaverse environment. But then when you start looking really today's opportunity around the metaverse, I think it's very much around entertainment. It's probably conferencing um, until it moved into proper industry, you know, like retail and, um, and insurance, which I find fascinating, actually, Nigel. Yeah, I, I actually think we're ahead of the game with this one. If you look at some of the examples that we, we I worked with a company called Davies Group, which is an amazing uh, TPA, third party administrator a few years back. And the team there have an innovation group and community that came together to uh, like a hackathon and built out a whole bunch of ideas. One of the winning ideas was using um, virtual reality to understand environments. So you put it into context, many of their contact center operatives uh, would be taking calls about uh, escape of water or fire or natural disaster that took place. And many of the times those people wouldn't own a car or wouldn't own a property and wouldn't be able to understand firsthand um, what it was like to have a leaking boiler or walk into a burning building, whatever it might be. But using virtual reality, they were able to simulate those environments and train people to your point. And I think they've done an excellent job in helping upskill and helping people that would never have actually understood what it was like to be in one of these spaces, use virtual reality in a safe way to emulate a claim and go through all the steps that you need to do to actually get people back to a pre-loss condition quite, quite quickly. So I do think there are certain situations, look at the war right now where you can start to work out what are the threats that we need to look out for and how do we prepare people for these environments they would never normally see. So how do we use 
uh, virtual reality to actually get people ready, trained up and skilled without putting them in harm's way. So I think actually we're going to see this more and more to get people um, ready to deal with these sorts of situations day in, day out. I would argue many insurers are there today already, and it'll be the de facto standard over the next couple of years to actually have these second life or metaverse type environments to train, educate, and help people out going forward. Yeah, absolutely. Which, you know, we already talked about some of the trends, right, right now. So I would like to talk about insurance a little bit more. You know, you own your own podcast, uh, which is InsurTech Insiders that you host with the team at 11FS. Um, but looking at recent episodes, what are the trends you think that are going to affect us for a little while? Yeah, this is interesting. I was actually looking at these for my predictions. I still, would you believe, haven't pressed publish on. I should really do that. And if I look over the years, I try to do you know, what, what are the things that we're seeing, both from a technology and from a business angle perspective. And disappointingly, I guess, they haven't really evolved so much. If I go back a few years, we all started talking about digital transformation, maybe because I was a consultant and digital transformation was the way in which we secured budget and started to help people transform the things that they're up to. So that was quite exciting. But to this day, we still talk about digital transformation. And maybe it's because there's a small number of organizations, depending on where you are in the world, that are more mature, but the long tail says, actually, there's a lot of work to be done around digitization. Then you jumped into things like artificial intelligence and machine learning. And there was a joke a while back that said, what is AI? And it was actually anything you can't fit into a spreadsheet or a sheet. And I still find people talk about, oh, we want to create these models here to do these things, but we're still talking about a small group of people or pockets of excellence doing things in uh, artificial intelligence. And then as you go forward, the thing that we're talking about now, and if you look at the, the trends at InsurTech Insights just a few weeks back, it's embedded insurance. But you and I both know that I wrote the, um, we have all the ingredients, we just want cake, I think it was three or four years ago, which talked about how we embed uh, insurance into experiences that you want day in, day out going forward. So we don't walk into a Starbucks or coffee shop asking for uh, eggs, milk, blueberries, whatever else we ask for the blueberry muffin. And I think we have, at least this community, the leading edge of thinking and where we think the market's going to go, whether it's um, virtual reality, metaverse, uh, embedded insurance, and then the long tail of execution behind that. And that's fine. You know, people will take a long time to actually then get these things in at scale going forward. You look at telematics as an example, it's what, 25, 30 years old? And yet it's only now becoming more mainstream as you know the pandemic hit, we used our vehicles less, we wanted a real-time view of what we're using or a fair view of what we're using. You've got the success of people like Cover and Freddie McNamara going, let's buy things as you need them, as opposed to blanket cover going forward. And that was enabled by mobile phone usage. Um, it was enabled by broadband and access. It was enabled by smartphones. So it's just going to take longer than we always think, I think, to get some of these things going forward. So the next three, five, 10 years, I think that horizon one, two, three thinking is still there. But actually, the adoption of these things will always take a little bit longer to get from where we think the world is at to, dare I say, my kids or my mom and my dad using them as, a, as an everyday thing. The other thing is true that, you know, uh, Justin Trudeau always has this quote that said, never before have we moved this quick. 
but never again will we move this slow. And I really love that quote because it actually says, we'll never get back. You know, I, I used the example at a, an event the other day where I said, for all those that did virtual events during the lockdown or moved to online shopping, finally people are gonna go backwards and never not use this again. So our uptake in having food delivered and all these sorts of things day in, day out, because we've bought the convenience and capability of that access, I doubt very many people will actually move backwards again. So once you have it, once the toothpaste is out of that tube, we're never getting back. So those trends are still true for me. Metaverse, embedded insurance, AI, digital transformation, where you are on that journey is really interesting. What I want people to think about now is how do we take leapfrog steps and giant steps rather than go through you know, step by step by step? How do we jump forward three steps or five steps rather than stepping through each individual sequence one by one? You know, it's interesting because the three things I'm really passionate and working on at the moment, uh, which I'm sure Matteo Carvone would be now proud of me, right? Internet of things around commercial lines and, you know, transfer risk. And what I think is maybe one thing we, we don't see um, yet, but which is going to happen is disruption is going to come from outside insurance. The second is uh, sustainability. You know, I'm passionate about it. You know, we've done some work around urbanization, but, you know, the two things I need to, to finalize right now is around climate and uh, supply chain, you know, looking at how uh, the innovation is coming to market. But the point I wanted to make here is when you look at unicorns, right, unicorns take four to seven years to, to become a unicorn. And I know some of the investors tell me to be a unicorn is not enough, it's now decacorns, right, if you want to make money. Said, okay, no problem. But... You know, when you look at our old world, right, they need to move faster. So your horizon one, two, and three is still valid, but we need to speed up. And as you said, we are not doing, going to go back anymore. So when you look at our world, right, and transformation, I already touched upon the startup world. How do you see corporate venturing affecting us? How do you see us pushing the button and getting our big companies to move faster? Yeah, it's really interesting. You've actually got two points here. On the, on the sustainability side, actually, just as a, as a sidebar, one of the videos I posted on my LinkedIn from Google Next talks about Earth Engine. And back to my point about always trying to work out how we link what the organization does more broadly back to insurance. If you move from the world of being there um, after the event, which was years ago for insurance, at the event, which I think we're at now, to ahead of the event, you start to link together the huge data and insights that we have as an organization, IoT and so much more. And Earth Engine for me is, I think it's broadly 700 different public data sets. It's 50 petabytes of data that you can access by, by our API. The video on my LinkedIn shows you how you get a time series of data to work out uh, flood risk and flood, flood modeling. And I think for sustainability and ESG specifically, not only is there a opportunity to understand what's going on, but equally you understand how we then report on it, which is a huge milestone for insurers, because again, back to insurers being at the very forefront of everything that we do to remove risk, you saw great examples of large carriers um, remove investment from other firms that weren't paying enough attention to ES their ESG agenda. So we have the opportunity to stop insuring folks if they're not making enough of an indent in fossil fuel or dirty fuels or what they're doing during war, for example. So I think we have a an absolute unique opportunity as an insurance industry 
to change the, the trajectory and the speed at which we operate. So I think that's a really, uh, a really important thing, first and foremost. On the corporate venturing side, I think over the last five or 10 years, everyone's ventured in. Everyone said, let's go create an independent team and try it out. And there's been so many different models. Model one being, let's do it on the edge and have something separate. Model two being, let's do it internally and see what we can do as, as well as. And model three is, let's spin something out you know, completely separately. I don't think there's any one right answer or one size that fits all. It depends on the culture, the ambition, the size of the organization, and equally, how much space and runway you'll let this thing have to grow. You look at folks like IPTQ and Swiss Re, where it's a separate entity entirely, and it's been given a wonderful runway by an amazing organization to then just go grow and test and learn. And I think the reinsurers have done a good job at allowing them to take a little bit longer at finding their feet, working out what works, working out what doesn't work, compared to personal lines carriers that almost need to see or, or expecting to see the results much quicker than they actually do. We all know as traditional insurers, customer acquisition is, is hard if you don't own distribution. We know that creating the right product market fit is hard. We know that if all you're doing is digitizing the old products, then all we've created is a faster horse. Is that the right answer going forward? So the thing that's always in the back of my mind is, are we designing the right product for the right group of people that they want going forward, rather than just a shiny digital new version of what we've always had? And I think a good example of two markets for me that I always focus on is one, the gig economy and the sharing economy. I think it's a huge opportunity as the way in which we work and how we work has changed. The pandemic has shifted that dramatically. But if I, again, if I ask my children, do you want a nine, a nine to five or an eight to 10 like daddy's got? Definitely not. They, they'd see themselves doing eight to 10 different gigs, uh, number one. And number two, the backbone of industry in almost every country is small industry, small business. So what does small business require? And how do we change the products that we've got going forward to make them more relevant to the SME, SMB worlds, whether it's North America, whether it's uh, Europe, or importantly, what we're seeing in the developing countries like LATAM and uh, and India and elsewhere. So I think seeing how those products evolve for those groups and then creating them outside is actually going to be really interesting. I will ask you my last question, but you know, I, I'm, I'm amazed that your children already think about their future, which will be portfolio strategy, which is what I believe as well. At the end of the day, when you look at the great resignation in the United States, and when I talk to people, they said, you know what, I've done a discovery. I don't need to work for one company and only, which means big company will have to change in the way they recruit people and accept the fact that some people will be advisors and board members as well. So where do we go from here, Nigel? We've got to make insurance lovable. And Sarah, my, my former host on InsurTech Insiders, always used to have a lovely saying, which was, we've got self-driving cars and drones. And I think we must up the sex appeal, if I'm allowed to say that, of how cool insurance really is. Nothing moves without insurance in place, whether it's you and I buying a property, renting a property, going on a train to work, getting on a plane for a vacation, whatever else. Our, our sharing of how critical insurance is as an industry to all these things for me is, is really important, which then allows us to attract the best possible talent, whether it's technology or business focused, 
to then go and create these new products that will allow us to keep the flow of industry and life as we know it keep moving forward. So I would love to up the um, the excitement and all the cool things that insurance has, educate people what it is, why it's here, and why it's so critical to everything that we do day in, day out. So I'm not giving up any day soon. I think I'm in one of the best places in the world with the most reach to go and have that conversation to actually then go and shape the future for, for insurers, carriers, brokers, insurtechs alike. Um, I'm excited by it. I think we've got a great opportunity ahead of us. And I'm, I know we do. And thank you so much. I mean, you're in a great environment, which can help us push some of the button, which may be a little bit slow. So, Nigel, thank you for being with me today. Where can people find you? As always, either on the Peloton, as you see here, or um, on Twitter, I'm Nigel Walsh, or Mr. InsureTech at Google.com. Yes, bien sûr, Monsieur InsureTech. Merci pour uh, aujourd'hui. <laughs> Thanks to me. Bye. If you like this podcast, subscribe now, share with your friends. And if you enjoyed it, please give it a five-star review. Also, if you want to cover any specific subject with me, contact me on Instagram under Subin VDL Officials or LinkedIn under Sabine van der Linden. Thank you.